Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. The entire gang joins me tonight as we have plenty to discuss F1-related, and everybody is waving at their cameras to me. Guys, hello. I I'm, I'm, hope everybody's having a lovely Tuesday evening, and... We're definitely having a lovelier Tuesday evening than Josh Verstappen, who's running his mouth again. We'll we'll talk about that after, well, at some point. I don't really know where to start because a lot happened this weekend. So, where where does everybody want to start from the talking about the race? I'm I'm going to put it up to a committee vote here. Where do we want to start? Obviously, you have to start with the fact that Yuki Sonoda got into another incident. I don't even remember what he did. Right? Was he racing? <laughs> Someone <laughs> hit him in turn one. Wasn't Aston Martin? Sonoda. Didn't he survive, though? No. Well, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. he finished. I mean, not in the points. I, I have yeah, no but, recollection. But I remember because they're saying, like, he, Yuki Sonoda's seventh. Oh, my God, look at him go. And it's just like immediately is in an incident. He was a lap down in 14th by the end of the race, so. I'm still trying to figure out who hit him, though. It was, I think it was an I, I, thought it was, I thought he made contact with Vettel. Yeah, that sounds... Oh, yeah, Vettel didn't have a good day. <laughs> Vettel made contact with half the field. All right, All right, we got right that moving coming. on. So let's see here. What What did you guys think? Let's let's start with the track itself, and then we'll we'll dive into the obvious hot topic. Good, bad, ugly, what can be done to fix it? Michael Massey has already come out and said there will be tweaks, not massive overhauls. So uh, we'll start with Frenchie and, and work our way around. What what needs to change or what doesn't need to change? Uh, I think having the fastest street course with a lot of blind corners is incredibly problematic for safety. And some of the drivers were talking about that. And I mean, it's, we didn't see the level of incidents that some people predicted, but yeah, I think, you know, seeing what happened to Perez, seeing what happened to even Mazepin, that's, that's not what you want to see in an event, especially when people basically call it before it happens. Well, I was nodding in agreement, but I thought someone else would have been, but I agree wholeheartedly with that, Frenchie. It, uh, I mean, it was incredible to watch all the time. Uh, I considered it like that, high speed, line corners, right? Um, I do agree with the amount of pulling corners and the speed in which you come upon those corners is a bit frightening. Um, I mean, even qualifying when Carlos signed uh, loss of those few times, um, you know, that's a spot where if that were to happen in the race, it would also be, you know, quite, quite frightening. I appreciate that the track was built on time. There, there was a, I think Host and I had a bet couple episodes ago about if it was going to be done and i think i was the eternal optimist there most likely it was a track that produced drama and it was a giant shit show and as Denevsky said on twitter you know anybody on the f1 side who's giving indycar crap about nashville should take a seat <laughs> i agree with that it's kind of a shit showy type track that's not really going to produce maybe a good race but there's going to be some dramatic moments and it really depends what vibe you're looking for I, I like the random elements of racing. I think it adds some drama and entertainment, but I don't think it necessarily produces the best type of race that is good for TV. I don't know what vibe they were going for because, like everybody said, like it's it, there was blind spots and yeah, it was fast, but it was just going to be a giant shit show. So, like, what what was the point there? 
why did you do it that way? Uh, I don't, I mean, and also in fairness, you build a brand new track like Nashville did and it is going to be a shit show the first one, but it just didn't look like the racing was going to be good regardless of whether it was a first track or 10 races in. Yeah. I wonder if the new car is going to help the track next year as other tracks that also don't produce the best racing, if the new car is going to help. So I think that could be something to watch for next year for for all tracks. But I really am glad. I, I think at the end of the day, I'm glad they're building a, a new Saudi Arabian track for the 2023 season. I'm so done with Herman Tilke. I just got to <laughs> say that. I'm really done with him designing tracks because, uh, I mean, the last several that he's designed have just not done it for me. And why they continue to go with him when it's kind of broken, in my opinion, uh, I don't really see it. But everyone's tra- genius. What other tracks did he design for those ignorant folks on on here, such as I? Oh God, oh boy, we don't have enough time to go through that list. Which ones didn't uh, he do? So I have geez. a couple right here. Yeah, we might as well do. The list should be which ones have he did. Rain. He did um, <laughs> the Singapore circuit. He did Abu Dhabi. Abu yeah, Dhabi. he did the race that we had in Korea, Korea for a very short India. amount of time. Yeah. Coda, Baku. Um, there, I pulled up the list. Uh, the redesign of Mexico, the Vietnam City. circuit we never saw. Uh, yeah, so I, I think Mike and I went through, and like the ones that we liked, Malaysia, hundred percent. Malaysia was decent. The redesign of Red Bull Ring was good. Um, I liked the redesign of Fuji. Baku's pretty good, and then Turkey. But then he's got Barcelona on the list. Like that's a major red flag. <laughs> he's got Hockenheim. He he destroyed Hockenheim. He destroyed well, not destroyed, but the new Nurburgring from O two on isn't that good. He did Coda, which I guess yeah, is okay. He's, but... he's left. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Below average. He did the New Jersey track. Oh. And Wait, apparently, whatever you... Atlanta Motorsports Park is, is that where Rhode? No, that's Rhode Island. That's different. never mind. What what New Jersey track are we talking about? New oh, Jersey like... Motorsports Park or something else? No, Port Imperial, the one with Manhattan as the backdrop oh, that never Lord. happened. That been... They just I... all are the same long, skinny shape. That's back to when me. you were. That's back when you were sixty. <laughs> you made it seven minutes without calling me old. That might be a record. So, congratulations. Well, I'm back on the F1 yeah. podcast. I mean, that hasn't stopped you any other any other day or week. You're, okay. you're right about that. All right, should we get to it? Yeah, let's 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 talk about the Max versus Lewis in turn one or two, where Max goes wide, is forced to eventually give up the spot. Or I shouldn't say Max goes. You know, Max goes in the runoff and. Lewis has the inside spot there. That's the one where Max eventually got the five-second penalty. What What is everybody's thought on the penalty itself, the racing itself? Should it have been a penalty? Should it have not been a penalty? And we'll start with Frenchie and go in the same order again. So you're talking about off the initial start of the race? Uh, yes. Okay. Oh, he didn't get a penalty for that one, did he? Mm-mm. He didn't get no, a penalty I'm sorry. to the very end. Yeah, I'm sorry. There was I can't keep up with what the FIA is doing anymore, so I get confused. Uh, yeah, the the start of the race, and then if you want to lump it in there, the restart one and restart two. 
So yeah, for the initial start of the race where he just kind of went completely off in turn one to take the lead of the race. Um, I mean, that's just Max, in my opinion. That's just what he seems to be doing. And it's almost like we should expect it at this point, not to say it's good or bad, but he doesn't really, in my opinion, drive. I mean, he's not a champion yet, but like a champion should, because he basically, I think, is just taking the risk of, I need to be in the lead um, because he knows that Lewis can't risk it in the same way. So I think maybe with age, he'll learn to be a little more conservative and realize that you're in third place, man. Like, conserve your points lead. You know, that would be good going into the last race instead of kind of trying to just take things, uh, you know, all in first corner of the first lap. But, you know, it is what he did. Well, it's like, I think he's driving like a guy who knows his car is not as good as the Mercedes car. And I think if he's looking to hold Lewis back at any point or send it on him, because I think the three wide send ended up putting Ocon between him and Lewis. And I think that really helped him get a gap. So I think he's driving like a guy who knows that Red Bull has their back backs against the wall right now. And he has to take any opportunity he can to get any points on Lewis. That's, that's at least where our, I can kind of see where he's coming from on these overtakes. Cause yeah, it's some of them are very reckless, but like at the same time, I, I don't blame him for trying. I fully agree with you that he is driving because he that way, because he doesn't think that if he lets Lewis go first, he'll never catch him. Yeah. And kind of, Adding on to that, uh, Christian Horner was on F1 Nation podcast this morning, so Tuesday morning, and he didn't sound particularly confident. Like, he he knows they might be in trouble this coming weekend in Abu Dhabi. So I think that just goes to show that even behind the pit wall, they're all all feeling the pressure right now. Yeah, and I'll let lighting go in a second here. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, but to add on to Shannon's point, I mean, you're looking at the the incident that we're going to talk about here in a second with the, the broken front wing. I mean, Lewis got around him with a broken front wing and then finished, what, like six, seven seconds ahead of him at the I end anyways without yeah. the penalties. It was like even with a broken front wing and all of the, uh, you know, loss of speed that comes with that, he was gone, like uncatchable anyways. So to me, that's kind of just it illustrates why he was pushing so hard to keep Lewis behind him and past he was 21 him. seconds ahead. Max's tires were, were shot by yeah. him because he drives like an ass. But I mean, so like at the very end of the race, right. He's probably not going to catch him because he didn't have the tires he needed to. But if he drove smarter throughout the race, I don't know that that, I mean, it may be the case, but I think he just drives really stupid and doesn't think things through and then ends up this way. So, he, you know, wrecks things and gets penalties for what? Nothing. You weren't going to beat him anyway. But then he goes back to what? Yeah, can I go back to what you said at the beginning? Of he's Max is driving right now. Like he knows he might not have the car under him for the rest of the season that he needs to get this done, and he's driving. I think the word Frenchy used was scared. Um, and. It's not only in his driving, but I think you can hear it in his voice and even just see it in the look on his face. Like, that goes back to, again, Lewis being the grizzled veteran, you know, championship winning driver, just calm, cool under pressure, and Max doesn't have that yet. Um, I know his qualifying lap on Saturday was, I mean, insane. It was one of the coolest qualifying laps I think I've watched in a long time. But it's like, and I know you're kind of splitting hairs when you say it like this. But is that a mistake 
that Alouis Hamilton makes if he, you know, if roles are reversed. I don't know. You know I don't know if it is. And did Max just, I mean, clearly he overstepped the, the limit of the card just enough. Yeah, because off the top of my head, the only mistake that I can remember Lewis making in the last, what, three, four years was Imola this season where he went off the track, broke his front wing, and then, like, reversed back. Didn't and... he, it might have been Germany two or three years ago where it was raining and he just, like, totally slid off the track in one of the last corners? Or was that? Or... Oh, yeah. I mean, that wasn't really, he, it was yeah, raining. Well, on his but... way. Yeah, and then the whole, like, box, box, nope, stay yeah. out, no box. and Obviously, um, we're splitting hairs talking yeah, about Yeah, I'm that. trying to remember, like, his... Yeah, his like fake restart in Sochi that he did in the wrong zone, but I wouldn't really call it a mistake. That was just stupid. The one thing. So yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, I don't know if Lewis makes that mistake in qualifying. He just bulletproof that guy. The one counter I will say to that is that I mean, Lewis has twelve years in age on Max, twelve years of experience in F one over Max, right? So I mean, you look at Lewis, and he's been around since what he came in in two thousand seven was his first season. Um, I mean, Lewis of 2007 was still mm-hmm. pretty impressive in terms of the speed and the car control. We saw it was there. Um, and he won his championship in the second year in the, you know, in 2008. But I think Max, you know, being 12 years younger, we'll see in 12 years if he's kind of matured some. And I hope he does. And I hope he's driving better, you know, maybe multiple championships down the road. But I think the speed and the car control that he has is immense. So. He just needs to fix his attitude and his like kind of championship mindset, maybe a little bit of that coaching to kind of get him off of that knife's edge. That's so fun to watch. So let me interject. So you mean Joss Verstappen? Yeah, that's kind of the the devil on his shoulder. Yeah. The one thing I am wondering, so he has Joss Verstappen in one ear, Christian Horner, who whines about everything in his other ear. Does that hurt? Verstappen in his championship pursuit. Don't forget Helmet Marco. Really, uh, another helmet. great influence. Yeah, I was say, don't forget Helmet Marco. So, the yeah, doctor. Dr. Marco. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much pressure. I mean, because he's pretty much got that ride until he doesn't want it anymore. So it's not like that kind of pressure. But at the same time, it's like, hey, this is our best shot in what is has been 13, so eight years to get a title, like get going. Um, and yeah, I mean, I know this is long-term thinking, but I really hope Mercedes and Red Bull haven't sacrificed their whole 2022 campaign just to duke this out because, you know, it would be obviously amazing to get the driver's championship, you know, done and dusted. But if you're going to be fighting for 16th next year, was it worth it? Yeah, I did see that Red Bull bought an upgraded floor to Jetta, but only ran it on practice on Friday and didn't end up running it this weekend. So they're still trying to find every tenth of a second they can find but all right let's let's talk about the crazy one the one where verstappen did end up getting the penalty the five second penalty when he is going into turn one they battle i don't know if they actually touched but verstappen gets ahead is forced to yeah i don't think they touched thanks matt and yeah that kind of started the whole chain of chaos Penalty deserving, not penalty deserving. Thoughts? We'll start with Shannon on this one. <laughs> no, don't start with me because I'm not a fair. I'm not a fair voice. <laughs> okay, let's start with lighting on this one since his hand isn't up. I assume you're talking like the lap 37 one. I think when they went into one. Yeah, and then, somewhere around there. 
Max ended up in the quote unquote runoff in the lead. So yeah. I don't think it was penalty worthy, but I do think he should, like I do think he had to give up the position because clearly going off track is what leaves him that position. Up until he exited the like racing surface, I thought it was just clean hard racing. But I feel like when you exit the track and gain a position, it is right to give it up. I mean, he wasn't driving terribly boneheadish right then. <laughs> wow, that's like a compliment from you. It on, is. On Max. Somebody should take that. That's about the nicest you could have. It's about as nicest as you could have put that. Yeah, I. I mean, I just struggle again with drivers. I get that there's obviously turns and whatever, but like, if you don't want drivers to use that and you want them to be punished for it, giving them a five second penalty to me is whatever or having them yield the position for passing someone's whatever how about when you just put a tire barrier there or a wall or something so that they can't use that if they outbreak themselves like an idiot into that turn so that's right i I certainly agree with that line of thinking again that goes back to track design and everything so i think that is the optimal route to go yeah tilt in lieu of the shitty track i guess this is the next best option I don't think it helps. I don't think it helps that Michael Massey and the FIA have no consistency. I mean, I know I say this pretty much every week. There's no consistency to the penalty calls. So just give up the position and I'd be like, all right, fine. You know, that's that it is what it is. Good call. But the five second penalty just for that incident alone seems wholly unnecessary and yes Matt's not wrong they should do gravel or a tire barrier or insert 87 other a things moat. that they could have done a moat yep a, you moat. a moat a moat I vote moat okay <laughs> come We're on it was a just... new track you had that opportunity to build something cool like like toy marbles oh god clag uh, clag love it no I think what uh I think what Liberty Media needs to do is buy Herman Tilk like hundred thousand acres in Greenland and just like tell him to go design whatever he wants for the next seven years until he gets to like retirement age. Yeah, just leave him there. Have him design his fancy track in Greenland. Do whatever and let the rest of No, they need to buy that guy an imagination because everything is that long skinny shape. It's the same. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta have a hairpin though at the end of that straight. That's the only way you can or a chicane. Can't have just like a nice, easygoing, like Adelaide 90 degree turn. No, it's got to be hairpin, chicane. So I, I almost forgot there was a penalty before that when Max passes Ocon and Hamilton for the lead on the second restart. Or I'm sorry, on the first restart, then there's another red flag. Then Michael Massey says, hey, I'm going to let you pick your penalty. Right. What, what did we... Uh, I I don't know. Well, I think go so. Ahead, just go. Well, before we get to the penalty part, I do I do think that one was a bit harsh on Max. I do think Lewis and Max both outbroke themselves. So I do think the I I thought it was an ultimate LOL that Ocon got to <laughs> take P one on the restart. But I do think that one was a little harsh on Max. But what is what do you guys think about the uh, the first ever penalty negotiation in Formula? So like, let's make a deal. Like, if you have lipstick in your purse, you can start second. It's so stupid, and I don't understand it. And they make it to be such a joke all the time, but they want to be the pinnacle of racing, and you pull this shit, and you can't even follow your own handbook. Whatever. I think it was a problem with wording. (laughs) This is also why I don't do the F1 (laughs) (laughs) 
I think it was wording issue. <laughs> no, I love it. It just makes me so mad. Ugh. Wow. You guys should see how angry her face was when she said that. Did you see my vein pop? Yep. Yep. <laughs> That's what she said. Ew. No. <laughs> Michael. Oh. I think it was a wording issue with Massey. I don't really think he was trying to offer a penalty. The way I think it went is it was you could either give up this spot on the racetrack or we will then forward it to the stewards. So his Bro. offer was either take care of it yourself on the racetrack or then I'm going to tattle on you to the stewards. I don't think it was actually like a pick your own penalty. I think it was we can solve this with or without steward intervention. Your choice. But he also said I offer to you. <laughs> Well, they Second always have position. the choice to give up the pe- the position on track. But I mean, that's still giving them the option. You're either you're either saying I'm going to I'm going to send you to the principal's office or I'm going to let you guys duke it out here in the hallway and whoever comes up first is the winner. That's stupid. Let them duke Sorry, it out in the Frenchie, hallway. I'm not yelling at you. <laughs> no, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, let it, let them duke yeah. it out in the hallway. Then don't intervene. If they just fight in the hallway, it's I mean, if we're going to let them Fight in the hallway, then everybody should just fight in the hallway. All right, let's go. Did you hear that? Did you hear that stroll? It's your turn. <laughs> Good luck, Lawrence Lance. or Lance. Both. Which, both. Oh, uh, either one. The freshman Lawrence? in the senior hallway. Can we get Lawrence stroll and Lance stroll to fight Nicholas Latifi and Papa Latifi? I don't know what his first name is. Winner gets the other's yacht. I can do. I can deal. His with name's that. Michael Latifi. Wow, I don't know Michael how we didn't know that. <laughs> Yeah, that's embarrassing. But anyway. <laughs> that's you. <laughs> two of us. Thanks. We're now going to go to when Max overtook Lewis and the contact occurred. And I'm just going to leave it at that without bringing up any bias. We'll start. No, why don't you go nope. first on this uh, one? We're going to make Lighting go first because he's so entertaining right now. <laughs> and David, uh, what did you think of the contact? Max is a wild man, out of control. Exactly everything Shannon said before. Big tough guy. <laughs> it's fantastic. I know. All right, now it's now it's host Mike's turn. You didn't get to go first. Now okay. you got to go well, next. Fair. I, I yeah, it was borderline reckless. It was. I mean, once you see the data, where uh, see the data. Once you see the penalty report, where they show the data of. How much he let off the gas and then pressed on the brakes. I think pressing on the brakes was the equivalent of two two G's. Two point four. Two point four, thanks. That's that's a lot. That's that's not good. And I I think there was also a lot of confusion and miscommunication, which definitely did not help the situation from Lewis's vantage point. But I don't know A why you slow down like that, and B, usually you let somebody passed on an area that's not kind of like a blind sweeping curve like that so i'm just not really sure what he was accomplishing yeah but lewis had full view of him the whole time though right in the middle of the track <laughs> where you don't expect him to slow down right there it was drs games i guess yeah i think yeah i mean well a there's drs detection i think he was trying to be sneaky and try to get that both of them stretch. are definitely doing that b yeah, yeah b i think it's there's just a lot to unpack there because I think putting it at the feet of one of them is I think there's plenty of not even blame. There's just it was just kind of a weird situation. And I wish that Lewis had gotten the call earlier that they were going right. to do that because he was saying that he got the call right as mm-hmm. Max was slowing down, that he was going to move out of the way. 
like, yes, Max could have gone to the inside, but to me, if a driver's like suddenly slowing, like I'm not going to take the same line as them. I'm going to try to duck to the inside it was, or wherever they're that, not like, yes, he could have been, he could have not been in the racing line, obviously, but to me, I would have just kept on going and not even given it a second thought. But also yeah. I think that, that Lewis doesn't trust Max at all. And so sometimes there's that like moment of like, WTF, like what is he doing and what's he about to do? Because Fair. he can't afford to wreck right now. He has to finish these races or it's Max's. So, you know, there's that element of like, ah, what am I supposed to be doing right now? I don't know. Max has never done anything. No, I completely agree with that, that, Shannon. It was a hesitancy, Thanks. I think, to pass him that was like, what is going on here? And then there's also mix that in with, I want DRS. No, Max wants DRS. Like they were both trying to get it to have it down the next straight right and mix that in with lewis not knowing exactly what was going on yet right like all of that is what led to that so yes it was miscommunication yes it's max's fault for driving like a jackass the entire race so that nobody can trust him and know what he's doing (laughs) and then it was drs (laughs) and we could just part of the problem is do we really need four drs zones on one racetrack herman tilke is to blame again is that a thing i mean I mean, it's not like it helped the racing any, so... Yeah, I, I still say... Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Ride on! I don't even know what a percentage is. I just say it was terrible communication by all. I mean, what was it? was turn 24. Five, four. I don't even remember how many turns there were. There I mean, were far too they many. They had there's twenty-seven turns. There's twenty. There's twenty-seven. But it's like it took them twenty-three-ish turns to get the message to Lewis, which is about what seventy seconds. Like that's absurd, if you ask me. Yeah, the the lack of communication all around there definitely did not help this situation at all. I think the most jackass moment from Max that race was when he then let Lewis by and then bombed it into the final turn and passed him back immediately, which is like the most snaky thing that you could do in that situation. And the crew even came, like Christian Horner came on the radio and said like, uh, <laughs> probably not a good idea to do that, by the way. And like, if, if, if your pit wall at Red Bull is telling you that probably means you did something wrong. So I, I actually didn't really have an issue with a oh, like too many things that Max did that race other than his fake attempt to let Lewis pass and then immediately pass him back. All right. Do we have anything else from the actual race? That was pretty much it other than. Yeah. Do we think uh, Vettel wrecked Raikkonen? Is that a fair? I mean, he definitely, definitely cut him off. Speaking of Kimi, 
Timmy. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Uh, Did you um, see that his his interview? Yes, that's what like, I was just I gonna say. Did you do that for the race? So, like, what do you think about the track? He's like, I don't know. I'm it's not like, gonna be gonna the tour. I don't care. That actually perfectly segues me into something I wanted to ask you guys. With this being up next, and this can probably lead us into our other topics, our next um, Grand Prix being his last race, do you have a favorite Kimmy moment? Whether it's on or off track? When he begged for his gloves as he was getting wheeled out yeah. uh, onto on the pit lane. Me was when Martin Brundle asked him if he saw the Pele presentation, and he said he was yes. having a shit. <laughs> Agreed. I'm having a shit. <laughs> I was having a shit. David? Or uh, the one that I was going to say was like, they're like, Kimmy, a lot of special, a lot of drivers have uh, special helmets that have special meanings to them. What is your special meaning behind your helmet? He's like, I don't know. It protects my face. <laughs> I also appreciate. Oh, there's some great ones. There's one we talked about. He's like, for sure, I don't know what I'm doing most of the time. But I also like the time that he said the only thing he liked about F1 was driving. Well, did you guys do predictions uh, for the yeah, predictions. Jetta? Let me, let me pull up predictions. They were probably terrible. Cause so we can laugh at you. Wait, can I... But before, before we get to predictions, I, I know Matt knows where I'm going with this. The Motormouth F1 Fantasy League. Yours truly is in first place by 1,039 points heading into the last race of the year. And I still don't understand how how yeah. is all 700 or 800 other people in that league worse than I am at predictions. Yeah, that was trash. And there was that all those numbers on there and they had like a green number next to your name. Stream Evergreen. Check out our local podcast hosts for all great content. Stream Evergreen, everybody. That wasn't your best segue, but it wasn't your worst. Good predictions. Frenchie had Vettel. Not not, not so good. I had Gasly. Gasly finished ninth, eighth, somewhere around. No, there. sixth, I, I think. Sixth. Okay. Well, he did Come all on. right. Bad predictions. You had Perez. That is He wrecked. He wrecked. He got wrecked, whatever you want to call it. I had Max. Definitely got that wrong, I guess, since he finished second. Top ten, you you picked Max? Yeah, I thought he would push too hard. like Sort of like qualifying. I thought that would happen in the race before at the end. Top 10, you had George Russell. He got eliminated early. I had Kimmy. He didn't make it in the top 10 either. So not our best, but definitely not our worst week <laughs> of predictions ever. Time for some news. Yes, I have a few items for you guys that I think will be very interesting. Um, the first kind of going off the back of the Jetta race is that what did you think of Max skipping the podium celebration? I heard some people saying um, that it was pretty poor sportsmanship uh, and that he walked off the stage, you know, where are his apologists basically? Um, I, I'm pretty sure that Shannon will have an opinion on this, <laughs> but I'd also like to hear the rest of you guys too. Max apparently is quoted as saying, because there was no champagne, obviously this race took place in the Middle East where alcohol is you know, not thought of in the same way as it is in uh, the United States or other Western countries, that it wasn't going to be fun. So he decided to bail on the podium celebration. What are your thoughts? I mean, that sounds, that's just an excuse. He was just mad. Like He's just throwing a fit. Like the, He's just mad. Oh, yeah. I, I think it's... It's kind of yeah. It's poor sportsmanship. Just just stand up there for a minute, 
spray the grape juice around and whatever it is and just get on with your day. You don't have to like it. Just stand there for a minute and move on. I mean, it's a pretty terrible excuse for podiums not fun before you were of age. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> okay. Because yeah, he's the youngest winner in F1, but I don't know. how do, I was thinking about that. So, like, let's say you're, like, an 18-year-old American in F1 and you get, like, a podium in Germany. Are you allowed to, like, are you, is it, you going off the laws of Germany yeah, at that so. point then? Okay. I didn't know if it was, like, a arrestable offense in America or something. Nah. If you come back. Okay, so I'm I'm almost positive that you guys will share the same views that I have on this, but I wanted to bring it up anyway. We have two quotes from Andreas Seidel. Um, oh. The first one is that he called, along with Lando Norris, for a change to F1's red flag rules, and I'll just read you a little bit of what he said. Uh, he said, I think what with what's happened now the last two years, it's clear that the rule is just not fair from a sporting perspective, and we'll definitely have to look at how to change it just from a sporting perspective. Because that you cause, for example, the red flags, and then you're allowed to repair your car, and actually you're in a better position afterwards than before, plus you can change tires, that's, I think, something which just from a sporting side doesn't make sense. And so I'm in complete agreement with Andreas on this one. I think being able to do all this kind of work under red flags um, basically kind of illegitimizes all the action that's taking place on track. Right. I mean, what's the point of racing before a red flag if you just get a whole new race to start after the red flag and you can fix the car, you can change the tires. I mean, it resets everything. I completely agree there. I agree. It's the worst rule in racing. So bad. It's so bad. That's what I was going to say. I'm I'm saying I'm waiting for the Internet's argument for like why it's a good idea, because I've yet to see one positive reason why it's a thing. I don't know where it came from, and I haven't seen anybody arguing this point, which they argue every point, but nobody has once said, like, that's a good idea. The only thing they're arguing is like, oh, well, Max benefited from it, and Lewis benefited from it, and like, okay, so they did. That doesn't mean it's a good rule. Like, that's a stupid rule. Yeah. That's what I had tweeted. It's like, just because they both benefited from it at one point doesn't make it okay or necessary. (laughs) Yeah, I think there's a lot of regulation, just a whole layer of regulation that is in F1 now that could just kind of be taken off of the rule books and thrown away. Because, you know, as Mike alluded to earlier with Michael Massey and just some of the inconsistency, I think when you get to the point where you have so many regulations, basically, the more you have, the more that regulations breed other regulations. And it's just to the point where, I mean... We really have to go back and talk about all these different things each week. And maybe it adds interest and excitement for some people who might be more casual fans. But for the people who are really into it, they just get frustrated, I think. Yeah, I agree. Okay. I also think there are so many rules in F1 that it is so hard to keep track of. And it also feels like sometimes they implement them and sometimes they don't and sometimes your fine is fifty thousand dollars and sometimes it's five seconds and none of it makes any sense like there's no real rhyme or reason to their rule book so this brings me to my next topic which also comes from a quote of that andreas seidel made um and he argues and i would disagree with him that f1 does not need permanent stewards for consistent decisions uh, False. 
his <laughs> argument is is that he doesn't think that having permanent stewards is the issue because as far as he understands whenever there's a case popping up the first thing that stewards are doing is going back through the history of cases and seeing racing precedents to check and see if things are comparable or not in order to be consistent and he thinks that it will introduce too much bias right if we have permanent race stewards that that's the reason why they don't exist i would like to hear your thoughts on that because i think having this rotating system of driver stewards where they don't quote unquote build up negativity against the drivers results in just way too much inconsistency there is something to be said for the same set of people enforcing the supposed same set of rules for every race right you know what the standards are you know what's expected you know what you let slide one time so you got to probably let it slide again you know what you enforced this race you have to enforce it the next race i think there's something to be said and even if they're crappy stewards right at least they're consistent and i feel like that's where it's lacking i also think it helps the drivers right like they can have conversations with stewards at any of the race and know that those they're probably going to say the same answer because you know they're doing every race versus not knowing how a steward feels about a certain situation going into the next race yeah i always thought just having a rotating line of stewards for the pinnacle of racing just seemed like a silly idea and it does lead to inconsistencies, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's pretty dumb. I agree. Yeah. I've got two more items um, before we get to the final Grand Prix of the year, previewing that a little bit, going back to Jos Verstappen. uh, He was recently quoted as saying that he never speaks to Lewis Lewis never speaks to him, that he's nothing to Lewis, that he respects him as a driver, but the rest, dot, 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 nothing. So basically he's saying that there are some drivers who won't even look at you or acknowledge you and that they don't uh, have any respect between he and Lewis Hamilton. I would just like to get your perspective on Yos and his views on Lewis um, because this seems a little bit interesting uh, and it's getting pretty heated. Uh, between kind of the drivers and their entourages. I think Yost needs to... Well, first off, why are we interviewing him? Like, what what logical thing has he said it, ever? <laughs> I'm just going to leave I'm just gonna leave my comments at that because I don't even know why we're giving this guy airtime at this point. <clears throat> my question would be, who does he respect? Because I'm not certain that he does respect anyone. So you not respecting Hamilton is not a shocker. Boom, roasted. I like these F1 podcasts. I can just talk all of the nonsense. Yeah, I, I don't really know what a a guy whose best finish was third twice back in like 1995 um, really needs to say about like why Lewis Hamilton doesn't respect him or doesn't acknowledge him. If Lewis doesn't like you, I'm sorry, sir. Like that's your own personal problem. And I don't know why we need to share this with the media, but no one cares. I, I think least of all <laughs> Lewis cares about if you respect him literally like zero yes yeah, it, it just makes me think of that michael squawk the michael squawk quote it's like do i need to be liked i don't need to be liked don't have to be liked i want to be liked <laughs> and i kind of require to be liked but i don't need it yeah 100 that's like i bet you joss has a world's best dad mug that he bought from spencer's gifts <laughs> for himself well, yeah oh yeah yeah he is yeah yeah. Okay. We'll get to the last news. We'll do a quick preview and then we'll we'll wrap this up. 
Okay, so this is just a little bit off the rest of the topics, but apparently Haas has proposed this bonus scheme where Dimitri Mazepin has said that he's going to um, incentivize staff to stay at the team by paying them bonuses for loyalty. And I just wanted to get your opinion because in my opinion, I think the money would be better spent developing, you know, your car or like just improving your overall like design and performing better because then maybe people would want to stay at your team. Nobody's going to stay at your team when you pay money to Russia. So the only way you're going to get people to stay on your team is if you also pay them. Yeah. Yeah. She's not wrong. And the, 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 Difficult part here is the money can't come from Mazepin unless he is a co-owner. That has so he has to pay Haas, who then has to like promise to pay the guy's money. Like, what happens if he pays Gene Haas the money and Gene Haas is like, "Haha, bye," and then just like blocks Mazepin from social media? Obviously, I'm exaggerating. That wouldn't really happen, but it just seems like a very uh, if 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 you're going out in the media saying like, oh, "I have to," I'm gonna pay guys extra so they stay like. How low is your morale? But also, morale. right, like you have to pay people to stay. I mean, don't get me wrong. You should pay your people what they deserve. Like that's not this. This right. is not that. Um, but when you have to, you're basically bribing people to stay on your shitty team and not put any money towards the team just yes. to still keep people employed. Yes. Or say that you have people employed. I mean, I would need an incentive to work for Dimitri Mazepin and fix Nikita Mazepin and Mick Schumacher's cars every other weekend. That yes. being said, there's probably 21 other teams hiring people. Well, just knowing you're going to finish last every week, I mean, uh, you need the incentive, right? But for me, at this point, if you know the team's broken and they're not going to fix it, throwing money at me, I'm not staying. Also, you staying because somebody threw money at you, what's that say about you? Like, it's a shitty team. That you with fit a perfectly person. with the Mazepin family. Fair. We figured it out. Fair. There it is. So they're yeah. really just trying to find their people. But you can sponsor this podcast. <laughs> you, yep, just kidding. We wouldn't no. take your money. No. To say. No, we won't, boys. We have morals. No, we won't. Not, not very high standards or morals. I mean, they're small. Story. I got small morals, but that is one of them. Agreed. Where's William's story? Yeah, we haven't had story time in a while. Where's he been? No, I I think he I think he just gave up on replying to me because I still tag him about once a week and he doesn't he doesn't reply anymore. It's not fun. So this weekend season finale, obviously, all is on the line. Guys are tied. Essentially, whoever finishes ahead in the points wins the race. I have something to say to that. Actually, this is the first time going into the finale since 1974. When Emerson Fittipaldi and Clay Regazzoni were tied on points. That's that's the last time this happened. Just of interest for the people who are history nerds like me. You need to ask me my trivia question too. Oh, wow. Good call. Okay. So why don't you go through the times this weekend and I'll get a trivia question ready. Okay. So uh, we're looking at some pretty early starts for practice one. It's on Friday morning at 4.30 a.m. Oh, dear Eastern God. time. Practice two is 8 a.m. Practice three is Saturday at 5 a.m. Qualifying <laughs> is Saturday at 8 a.m. The pre-race show on Sunday starts at 7 a.m. Race is at 8 a.m. Lord have mercy. Ooh. Well, all right. Surely yep. that'll be on at PRI, right, Mike? <laughs> I hope. 
I'll put it on my laptop and my phone as we walk around. Okay, trivia. In 1997 at the Australian Grand Prix, which driver ran out of fuel when he refused to pit? Uh, no, this isn't for you. No, this is for Frenchie only. Put mm. your hand down. If 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 Frenchie passes, you can answer it. Yeah, we can we can let Hickey have this one if he knows it right off like that. Oh, you don't know it, Frenchie? I mean, I'd yeah, have I to don't. think about it, and we'll just let's fill the dead air with Hickey getting the right answer right away. It was Jean Alesi, Uh because Murray Walker had like an absolute <laughs> meltdown in the commentary booth. It was whole, it was one of the best Murrayisms I've ever heard. I agree. Okay, so we are uh, all five. We're going to make one prediction here. Who's coming out ahead in the championship battle? We'll go lighting first. Sir Lewis. Okay. I'll go with Max. I think Lewis is going to win it. I also think Lewis is going to win it because I think he's going to drive a lot smarter. I know I predicted Max in the preseason before you know, back in February or whenever that was. So I will stick with Max is going to come out ahead on this just to stay consistent with my prediction on that one, even though I don't actually believe that in my heart. <laughs> well, so part of my prediction is, you know, I don't know if we're going to touch on this in the preview, but the fact that he did so well there last year against an incredibly good Mercedes car gives me some hope that maybe he's just very good at this track and can continue that momentum this season. I also think, though, that Mercedes, based on the race in Saudi Arabia, has an indestructible front wing because (laughs) at any other point in any race, those contacts would have put Lewis out to replace a front wing. So that wing sustained more damage than I've ever seen. And I think that they've got something there. Even if Max, like everyone's been saying, and I don't see this happening, Tries to do the whole Senna Prost crash into you at the start thing. We Lewis's car is going to be in one piece coming out the other side. I also think Lewis still has a really badass teammate, and I think Botas will uh, protect him. I think you're the do first person to, to describe Valtteri Botas what? as a badass. Let's just mark I love that. him. I think Botas is going to qualify. I love him. He's going to qualify like seventh. And he's going to be battling Carlos Sainz. Nah, for he's going to get up. He's going to get up there, and he's going to help him. He's going to cry the entire it. race. Maybe thinking Whatever about distracts the, his last him. race with the team. <laughs> Whatever distracts Red Bull is fine. Our our angry little beaver had to beat Ocon at the line for P three. Why are y'all hating on him? He's a clown. Don't like him. Mm, I like him. That's fine. He's like. A, out of like the pinnacle second drivers of like Ricardo Patrese, Rubens Barrichello, Mark Weber, Valtteri Bottas is like the Andre de Cesaris of I don't even freaking Tora Takagi. He makes Gerhard Berger know. look like a hero. He's, he's oh. you guys are so awful. yeah. He makes Gerhard Berger look like the most comp. He makes him look like the most competent second driver. And Heinz Harold Frenzen, like all these guys, I, I put them above I Valtteri Bottas. Freaking hope. Botas proves you all wrong. I hope all you bitches are wrong by the end of this. <laughs> well, he can go have fun in Alpha next year. Yeah, yeah. it'd be great. It'd be great. I had a question for Mike and or anybody. So if you were Michael Massey, what is the direction that you're giving Lewis and Max in pre-race stewarding a la Senna Suzuka? Like, is it like any funny business is automatic disqualification from the championship or what? where, where are you... 
going with your direction. Yeah, the the logical would be yes. Any silliness is an immediate stop and go. Two silly issues. You're parked for the rest of the race. What will he probably do? He'll say, "Guys, we're on drive to survive. We need the radio. We need extra downloads here. So please make at least three silly attempts on the first lap." And he'll try to promote the silliness, and then call and then call inconsistent penalties again. Well, so what if you're Max and you make no attempt at all to make the first turn and just crash right into Lewis? What do you do if you're Michael Massey? Make sure you do nothing yeah, because you're inconsistent. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> you're probably right. And the drama I... would be perfect, and they would love it that moment to happen because it would be the most dramatic moment that we've had to a season building to this finale. And then Drive to Survive will be 94 episodes next year. Do real race I mean, fans want to see that? No. No yeah. real race fan wants to see it decided by a crash. We're going to add in stages and overtimes and green-white checkers for every stage and playoff points just for the finale so we can spice it up. We've hated on a lot of people in this episode, and I've really enjoyed being able to rant about them. But <laughs> I, I really hope that they don't collide and that we see some actual racing rather than some kind of a clown, like... I agree, because if we are going to be the pinnacle of racing, be the pinnacle of racing. Both of you, just race it out, and best man wins, literally. As long as we're all square on the fact that Valtteri Botas can... He and Jos Verstappen together. No! Get out! I'm done with you, Frenchie. I liked you, you were my favorite, go! (laughs) Wait, I don't don't like Jos Verstappen, I just said I hate him. You just put him in the same box as Botas! Get out! Oh no, Botas isn't as bad, but they can both go away. Nope. You could go away. (laughs) And Lance Stroll. No, that's fair. Gone so well. (laughs) Well, ladies and gentlemen, as we all die laughing, I hope you die laughing in this episode. Enjoy the race this weekend. (laughs) Don't die. Just laugh a lot. Please don't die. On that note, everybody... You know what, just goodbye. (laughs) Bye. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix dissecting the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you after the chequered flag.